Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello. Welcome back, archivists. Hello. Hi. How you doing? You look confused. No, I'm not confused. I don't know if I'm be able to focus with that incense. All right, I'll get rid look, of it. Yeah, just give me a second. <laughs> I'm not an incense person. All right. Okay. I just like a nice smell, a nice aroma. Episode 79, so one more and it'll be at 80. Oh, really? Yeah, this is episode 79. Did not know that. Yep. Good to know. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to jump right into it again. (laughs) You haven't said that in eh, a week. Well, it's been a day. All right. Thank you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But with like the recording, it's been a day. Okay, so today we are in Denver, Colorado. We're talking about... Oh, yeah. Mom is from there. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we spend quite a bit of time in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, okay. I don't I really don't understand how anyone lived in Denver or in Colorado in general in the 80s and survived it. So we're talking about Gail Herrera. She was 23 years old at the time in 1984. Gail was born in June of 1960. And like I said, she was living in Denver, Colorado with her husband and two children she sold homemade burritos in her town, and she had a goal of opening her own food truck. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she was working towards that. Yeah. So pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. She had an older sister who lived just a few blocks away from them, and they were actually pretty close. Mm-hmm. And her sister-in-law and brother-in-law actually lived right next door to them, which was her husband's brother and his wife. I was just explaining. Mm-hmm. So April 27th, 1984, a 911 dispatcher gets a call from an Avon salesperson who was saying that she was concerned about one of her customers. So this Avon salesperson had called one of her customers and the three-year-old son had actually answered the phone and was telling her that, you know, mommy was asleep, mommy couldn't come to the phone, and so she said... Can you go wake wake your mom? And he said that his mom could not answer because she was, and I'm quoting, she was dead and full of blood. Oh, my it was pretty gosh. Awful. How old is the kid? Do you know? Three. Oh, my gosh. It was He was three, and then he had a one-year-old sister. Oh, my gosh. I can't handle that. This customer of, from, of the Avon salesperson was Gail Herrera, and this was her three-year-old son on mm-hmm. the phone. Okay. The 911 dispatcher asked the Avon salesperson if she could meet the police at Gail's house. And so she goes and gets her husband and they actually Mm go to Gail's house and they get there before the police do. And they're looking in the window that's right there. They can see the living room is clearly just a wreck. Like it looks like there's been a struggle. Mm -hmm. There's it's just a mess. It's chaos. And then the little boy is in the window and she's trying to talk to the little boy. And he just keeps saying the same thing that they were trying to help their mom by putting tissues over her wounds. 
So the little boy and the little girl were trying to like help their mom. Wow, three year old. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Police arrive and they're able to enter the home. They obviously, mm-hmm. you know, go in and clear the home, make sure no one is still in there. And they do find Gail lying on the floor in between the bedroom and the hallway. She's kind of like half in between and she is uh, dead. Mm-hmm. There was dried blood all around her, mm-hmm. which gave them an indication that she had been dead for a good while before mm-hmm. the 911 call was made. Which just makes you think, like, how long were those kids in there? Oh my God. Another thing they say, too, is that there was food, like, all over the place. It was clear that the kids had been trying to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even imagine. I have a three and a one-year-old. Not know. even a one-year-old. I, I couldn't even imagine them trying to get food on their own. That's awful. The coroner's report says that she, and clearly, she had several wounds. There was blood stains on her shirt and puncture marks through her shirt her neck had ligature marks the cause of death was multiple stab wounds and strangulation the crime scene was like i said very clear struggle the deadbolt on the door was broken so it was a clear break-in and i feel like whenever we talk about these or like literally anytime you hear about any crime it's like i feel like the same thing is always said there was no sign of struggle no sign Mm -hmm. of a break-in it's very rare yeah and here we are so that's something so somebody busted down the door to get in yeah it still could be somebody that they know right but nevertheless that's they, they're busting it down. They're going in with the tent to do something. Mm-hmm. No fingerprints anywhere. They collect cigarettes and samples of blood near her body. And then they do a sexual assault kit and they do find semen. Mm-hmm. Didn't you say, so is that the correct term? That's what they said in the episode that I watched, a sexual assault kit. Or is that yes. like a test? Okay. I think, the, I think there's an actual term that's what the episode the sex assault it. examination so the nurse is a sex assault examination nurse sane nurse or something like that and yeah it's just the sex assault uh examination kit okay. the sex assault kit is, is I yeah think they is said it in the episode too but for some reason yeah. i feel like i remember hearing no, somewhere that that yeah. wasn't like a pr- uh, the pr- correct term anymore for it well when you sh- when you shorthand things it sort of takes away the importance of it sometimes, right? Sex right. kit. Well, right, yeah. yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe people just don't like that. Makes sense. But that's what I've always called it. So back at the house, the police are processing the scene as Gail's husband uh, arrives. His name is Phil Herrera. He, Where has he been? So he has been, uh, I was going to get there, okay. but he's been out of state for work. And he is just now getting home. His friend, his coworker was driving him home. He jumps out of the truck, runs up to the house. He's having this very like outward reaction, screaming, asking just what's like going in the on. Movies. <laughs> yeah, it, it very much was. You and you could they showed some of like the body cam footage or if it was the police footage, whatever footage they mm-hmm. had, whoever was videotaping at the time for law enforcement. And he is very much like trying to get in the house, and the two police officers are like holding him back. And this is when he finds out that her, uh, his wife mm-hmm. was killed. Like I said, he had been out of state for work for several days. He actually worked for the railroad, and he was in Wyoming, specifically the night that Gail was murdered. Mm-hmm. Okay. He didn't have a car, so his coworker was bringing him home. All right, so it's right off the bat, he has an alibi. He 
Yes, but they did not have a great marriage. Okay. He had uh, the police had actually been to the house before for domestic violence reports. So they know the, the cops already know this. Yes, a couple they, of they the they cops on this. scene. Sorry, they, go ahead. Yeah, they already know this. Even those cops immediately because mm-hmm. they're running this. So they already know. Oh, we've responded here before yep. for a domestic. Well, and a couple of cops on scene said that they actually recognized him. Like they had been the ones to go out to the house, and they so they knew who Phil was. He uh, was known to hit Gail and even put her in the hospital one time. So, of course, police talked to the three-year-old son, which still, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, they have specialists I that know. do that. But Back you ha- in 19, right. what but did I say, 84? Right. You ha- it's, it's calculated, and, and you have to take it for what, it, what it's worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you have to, one of the, the baselines, this is the only thing I really know, but one of the baselines is you have to, like, determine if the child knows what's good and bad or right or wrong, that type right. of thing or something like Makes that. Sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like now because I spend all of my days with a three-year-old, she, there, she knows a lot. She's very smart, but there are a lot of things though, that she says yeah. that like you can take out of context. Right. She doesn't know how to form sentences all the way. So things right. come out and, sounding funny. And the thing is like, she they are going to, they are going to say some things like daddy yeah. was here or daddy hit mom or, the Which man doesn't, but. the man came in you know yeah, they're, yeah. they're gonna say some things they're gonna you know you're gonna get something out of it and it's just leads so right but you gotta you gotta interview them you know that's yeah. why they have people trained to do that back in 1984 did they yes hmm. so uh where where is this again colorado denver colorado yeah probably they probably had some training it's gotten better over the years but they probably did had some training yeah. the three-year-old it's a big son. city police department they, you know so that's true. So the three-year-old son tells them that the person that was inside of the home, his name was Eddie, and it was not his father. Police ultimately nice. throw this piece of information out because none of the friends and family know who an Eddie would be. Which, to that, I'm like, okay, but let's say that an intruder did come in, and yeah. his name came out, and then he killed her, but the three-year-old got the name, and the name is right. And you're just going to throw that out. I like I could see I, I could. Did they take any part of it? Like it's not my dad or. I think they, they went with the, it's not my dad to corroborate yeah. his alibi. Yeah. And everything. So so the, the thing that's the tricky part. But they threw right? out the Eddie part. You know you got to. There's a whole bunch of stuff missing that mm-hmm. we don't have context wise. You know how did that conversation lead up to that? And you know after you pressure the kid a little bit you know they. There could be some character on the show named Eddie, and they just remembered Eddie, you know. So there yeah. could be something that's, they yeah, just that's coming up with. Saying. Yeah. But I was like, for you to ask a three-year-old and even have the conversation, and then to just throw out what they say completely, mm. I guess yeah, he had to have given them some reason mm-hmm. to be like he's making this up or he didn't. Or he he it was too long of an interview, and he just yeah pulled it out of somewhere else, you know, thin air somewhere. That too. All right. So they really are at a standstill at this point. Mm-hmm. They have nowhere. So they go back to, they go, not back to, but they go talk to the sister-in-law, Sarah, that I mentioned. She's married to Phil's brother. They live right next door. And they talk to her. She tells them that while Phil was gone and the, ni- the day, night of the murder, she had spoken to Phil and he had said that he was a little concerned because Gail was not answering the house phone when he was calling. 
And so she was like, okay, well, I'll just go next door and knock on the door. She goes and knocks on the door. And this is um, just after 11 p.m. She goes and knocks on the door and Gail answers. And she describes Gail as just being like nervous and just acting kind of not right. How many days before was this? This is the night of. This is the, the night, night of. of. Oh. Yeah. This is Okay, October, so somebody was probably April there. April 27th. I'm sorry. Right. I don't know why I said October. April 27th, this night at 11 mm-hmm. p.m. All right. So Gail tells her that she had been sleeping, which is why she wasn't answering the phone. And then she just starts going on and on about how she has to clean her kitchen. And she is like really worried and concerned about her kitchen and cleaning up because Phil's going to be home the next morning and she needs to get it cleaned. And Sarah thought that this was weird. So mm-hmm. I guess that's just not normal behavior to me. I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I, that's a daily thing for me. I got to <laughs> get my kitchen clean before my husband comes yeah. home. You know what I mean? So to me, I thought that that was weird that Sarah said that that was weird. But I guess maybe and that how just well wasn't. do you know the person too, right? You don't know right. someone, something's out of character unless you know him really well. And also if he's abusive, uh, like I, I feel like maybe that would be a correct response to like, oh my God, I have to clean my kitchen. He's mm-hmm. coming home. That mm-hmm. That's a trauma response, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I don't know why Sarah thought it was weird, but she did. She said that she thought Gail was acting strange. And this was just after 11 p.m. This is the last time that Gail is seen. So investigators believe that within six hours of that conversation is when the murder took place. Okay. Within six wow. hours. Wow, six hours. They're still trying to piece together a timeline for mm-hmm. this situation. And can we are you going to come back to the evidence or, or no? Yeah, I went over all of that. Are you going to come back to it at all? Does she smoke? No. OK. She does not. Does the husband smoke? No. OK. So they got the cigarettes with potential DNA. They don't. 1984. So they don't cover any of the cigarettes. The DNA that's going to eventually solve the case comes from the sexual the assault. The semen. Okay. Yeah. And no fingerprints. Did they find any rope or cord or anything that they think was used for strangulation? Nope. Okay. All right. And no weapon is found either. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. For the stabbing. So, I mean, they yeah. still collect, like, I feel like they collected quite a bit of stuff, mm-hmm. like the blood. There was quite a bit that they, mm-hmm. you know, the the cigarettes and the blood. Yeah. You, you collect blood. I don't know if I've said this before. You have to collect it from each section where there's blood, right? Mm-hmm. To to rule out somebody else's blood, too. And in 1984, oh, they were probably doing that with, for, you know, you know, for blood types, maybe. Oh. I didn't know I, yeah, that. Like from each section, there's blood over here in this corner, and there's blood over there in that corner. You got to collect it from both places because you want to make sure it's a s- blood from the same person right. or not. That makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense. Okay, so they get another lead from the nine one one dispatch center. Actually, oh really? Yes. Just after midnight that night, there had been an unidentified caller. It was a woman frantically saying that someone broke into her house and she screams and I'm quoting Charlie, Charlie, stay out of here, put it. And then the call cuts off. Where'd the call come from? They don't know. They How can't. Do they not know? So, OK, this, this is not cell phone day, day and age. This is what was driving me crazy. OK, they have no way of tracing the phone calls. What they said. This is 1984. And then one one's in in motion. Right. So is it nowadays if you call, they have your location? Yeah, they should have then too, though. They know if you call a ho- from a house phone. And mm-hmm. in fact, you can go to a house that's 
like nobody's living in and the phone service is shut off, you can plug in, this is how I understand it, you can plug in a regular phone, remember the old phone mm-hmm. jacks? Yeah. And still call 911 even though the phone service is down. Every single phone should be able to call 911, right. I believe. Yes, right. that's correct. So th- even, it well, should... Even if it's no service. Oh, let me... They should know where that came from if she had a phone number they should i don't i don't understand that i I don't understand that either they said clear as day the investigators that were being interviewed said they had no way to trace the phone call and they said that that happens all the time where people will call and then just hang up on them but like usually it's them being like oh i'm okay now and hang up but they had no way to trace it is what they said yeah i don't get that i don't understand that either well that's what we have right because i've seen like I've heard of okay, like so they can send people out right away. Do they, are they look are they listening to the voice now? Are they going to do comparison and that kind of stuff? So they take the phone call to the family members and ask if the family members can identify the voice as being Gail. And the brother, Gail's brother says, "Yes, that's Gail's voice." Who's so, Charlie? Right, who's Charlie? That's the next question. <laughs> And again, family members and friends have no idea who Charlie is. No was one she has messing any around idea. on her husband? I, I doubt it. They were. So like I said, they had a rocky marriage. Yeah. She did try and leave. And then they decided to like mm. try and make it work. Are there any family members on her side or, or anybody? No one knows a Charlie. Now, her husband does say, well, I have a friend who we're all friends. I've known him since high school. He lived with us. Phil and Gail, he lived with them before they got married. But his name was Charles Wilson, and everyone called him Chuck. Literally no one called him Charlie. So Phil was like, here's my friend, but I have no idea why she would be calling him Charlie. Well, that maybe doesn't they make had sense. a romantic affair, and she called him Charlie, you know. But remember, he didn't. He wasn't invited into the house, though, it doesn't sound like. Right. Or... But no, the and neighbor again, came over. Hold on, the neighbor came over. The sister, sister-in-law. Neighbor, oh, the sister-in-law yeah. came sister-in-law. over, and they said think that was six hours before. So within six hours. So she was stressed about something. Did they believe he was already in the house at that point? I don't think so. No, because mm. based on the phone call, mm. the phone call was just after midnight. So like an hour after the sister's visit, mm. and in the phone call, she says, "My house just got broken into. Like someone mm. just broke into my house." Yeah, I, I think. So, but then she says, Charlie, what? Charlie, Charlie, uh, where is it? Stay out of here, put it, and then it cuts off. I feel like she was having an affair and she was trying to break it off, this kind of thing. Something, yeah. Okay. All right, good. So the husband says, We had this friend, but he was Chuck. Right. Charles is brought in obviously he tells the police that he was at a bar which happened to be about a mile away from gail's house he got home around 10 p.m from the bar and he has his wife and another friend that corroborates his alibi his wife says yes he was home in bed with me at 10 10 30 uh, okay now the wife it's funny that you say that because the investigators when they were interviewed on the show i was watching they said now listen we don't typically like to listen or believe people that are super close like hu- spouses we don't like to believe because they're, they're your spouse of course they're yeah if you've been married 30 years or something and then you know yeah. but his wife happens to be a well-known state employee who had a very good reputation of being honest so Law enforcement believed her story. They okay, well, her. that's credibility of the witness. Yeah, okay. Right. So they still don't really... But if this is the first time he acted up and they're madly in love, 
she could be persuaded. Right. Law enforcement, they don't believe him. They don't believe the story, especially when they talk to the friend, and the friend is the one that tells them that the bar was just a mile away from Mm -hmm. Gail's house. So they get a search warrant for Charles Wilson's home. Even though he has an alibi, huh? Yeah, which I thought that was interesting, too. Where do they they get get the probable cause for the search warrant? That's interesting. Maybe her, I mean, her words, her phone call? No. So, oh, and then the relationship, but... Possibly because probable cause, right? You need probable cause from? for a search warrant, right? Yeah. And he has an alibi. His wife's saying, "Nope, she was. He was in bed with me." How, why would the judge sign off on that? That's He's still in the area, though. Too. Yeah. So they probably put a whole put all that other stuff together, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll they tell probably you said, "Hey, listen, judge. It's probable, but the, it's also possible that the wife of X amount is right. just covering for him." Well, so here's what I'll tell you: is that the they want to law enforcement wants to go ahead and arrest him. The DA refuses because it's all circumstantial and there's nothing, yeah. especially after the search warrant. So I feel like maybe the judge was like, OK, let's get a search warrant, see what you can find. And then maybe mm. because it was all circumstantial, because after they find, uh, uh, let me tell you, they find nothing in the search warrant. They do collect some knives, but none of the knives matched any of the stab wounds that Gail had. Uh, they just, found no physical evidence. Just, you know, circumstantial evidence is is no different than direct evidence, right? Right. But what I think what they're talking about is we're not going to make an arrest off of circumstantial evidence. Right. The DA wasn't, might, wasn't yeah. comfortable with it. Yeah. Well, because, and then they also said they didn't want to risk the double jeopardy our country has, right? They didn't want to risk pressing charges, arresting him, going to trial, and then him getting not convicted right. and they then need to he's put together not able a case. to ever they, they need be to put tried it, again. Yeah, they need to put it together a little bit more. Yeah, because That's right un- now... This is all fine, understandable, yeah. Yeah, so right now, all they have is that they knew that each judge other. judge is awesome, though. What? <laughs> oh, for the search yeah. warrant? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, all they have is that they knew each other, the 911 phone call with her saying a version of his name, mm-hmm. and then the friend that put him in the area at the time, like close to the all time. All right, well, and... um. I mean, the the brother saying that's my sister on the phone, so too, and he she said Charlie right, used to live. Well, that's why. So I they got the nice. They got a nice. Um, okay. Phone call. All right. So. So Charles and his wife move out of state. Why, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the case goes. I like how they. Okay, so the the detective in this case, I like how she, uh, they said it. They said it goes inactive. It went cold essentially. Um. It just wasn't. Me, yeah, they don't. You don't have any more leads. Inactive, Same thing. Yeah. yeah, I like inactive better than cold, though. I feel like that's a little better. Well, it's probably more of the professional um, parlance than right. the colloquialism of ah. of cold case. Right. Detective Joe Demott with the Denver Police Department is going to be the detective who takes another look at the case and reopens the case essentially that was entirely unclear but the dna and everything that they have that ends up closing the case happens in 1995 okay oh wow that's so we're in yeah we're in like a 10 year yeah so 10 span yeah but it's unclear of when exactly it was like reopened all right now Charles Wilson gets arrested in New Mexico for a sexual assault of his co-worker. He apparently showed up at her house drunk, 
saying he was having car trouble and then forced her upstairs, threatened her, forced her into her bedroom, assaulted her and then left. We're going back at the wife. <laughs> we're going back at the wife and we're going to remind her that she covered for him. <laughs> well, wait. And, and yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he's, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. He's, once they, however, if they find that out, you let's, let's call the wife back in then. Cause she's pissed. That's literally what happened. Yeah, cause that you see, um, yeah. yeah. Like I didn't, I don't know anything about this case. That's it's, what it's so wild when like, we talk yeah. and you say things that are exactly what the law enforcement do. Yeah, they, uh, you know, the the wife, um, yeah. shit, he got convicted for raping some of the bullshit. Uh, the cops are like knocking on her door. Hey, do you want to talk again about ten years ago? All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what happens. I'm laughing because it's just it's funny because you're literally like basically reading the rest of what's on my my notes. So to them, yeah, this also this crime is very similar to what happened to Gail also with the assault and breaking in and he was out drinking. So he was probably drunk. So when he's brought in, he again also denies it and gives his wife as his alibi. And then his wife again says yes he was at home with me at the time that this oh, assault she's took been place. covering crimes for a while probably for him this obviously piques detective demott's interest because it's he said basically word for word what she said to him as word to the denver colorado police department is what she says to new mexico so this is good collaboration good mm-hmm. detective work because somebody this new detective Paid attention, and where was it? The sec, the new section? New Mexico. Yeah, so this is two states over. Um, they must have pulled his name up and saw yeah. that. You know what I mean? Saw that he had the, the new rap sheet or something. Yeah, good detective work. He, his thought process is exactly what you said. He says, "I bet she was afraid of him, and she was covering for him. Let's bring her in now that he's in jail." Let's bring her back in and see if she'll remember anything. See if she'll she'll oh, talk. Yeah. And she does. She says that she was afraid of him. He was threatening her from that night that Gail was murdered. He threatened her to cover for him. And so she was covering for him and giving okay. him an alibi because she was afraid of him. And that he had been forcing her. Okay, so where was he then? So she tells law enforcement that the night that Gail was murdered, he didn't come home at all. He never came home. Awesome. So, yeah. And then in 1995, the police are able to get a DNA profile from that rape kit, rape kit that was taken the day the day Gail was found, mm-hmm. and the profile comes back as a match to Charles Wilson. So this is just matching DNA to DNA, right? This is all this is doing because we're not right. we're way off of because 84 um, was a little early. Remember, yeah, we didn't really way, have yeah, that yet. Yeah, so. we're way off. This is just match for match. Yeah. So it's not quite mm-hmm. what we're doing now, but yeah, it's they were able to get the DNA profile, so they said let's immediately match it with him. And it's a match. Yep. And then he's extradited back to Colorado, convicted and sentenced to life. Nice. Yeah. Good police work. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. What happened to the kids? They they're grown up. They were able to go speak at his sentencing. They they were interviewed for the, the episode. Oh, so they would have been like the um, show that I watched. 13, 15, somewhere in there. The daughter said that when she spoke, he flipped her off. Really? Yeah. And she was just like up, so upset, obviously. How like how awful. But I forgot. They're still with their dad and, and 
They were with him for a, f- a good few years, yeah. 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 And they and they talked about in the, the episode, this was an episode of On the Case with Paul is on, one of my, you know, my favorite yeah. shows. Yeah. They talked about how for a long time their mom's side of the family all believed that their dad killed her. So like they had to live and grow up with like yeah because he dad yeah everyone was, thought the dad did it and he hit her a couple times right mm-hmm. so yeah I it mean, wasn't a good you, relationship you, at all I mean you can't blame the family for for yeah. thinking that not at all but so just how think are about the kids how that affected, Do, does, yeah. is there any update on the like how they the kid? seemed I mean they seemed great this interview was recent so they're both you know adults oh, they're and, w- yeah they're um yeah he was three in eighty four so he was born in eighty one. What did we say yesterday? That's like 40? 30? No, eight, eight, no. 84, yeah. 84 is 39 years ago. Because I graduated high school then. So 39 years ago. 42. <laughs> so oh, okay. fo- 42 and the... And she was the one. The child is like 40, probably. Well, 84. Because April, if the, if the baby so was... Almost 40, a one yeah. year, Yeah, so almost 40. Yeah. Or just turned 40. Yeah, just turning 40. Okay. Yeah, so... Hopefully they're doing well, the kids. It seemed like they were, yeah. All right, good. I mean, as well as you can be for living through something awful like that. Yeah. I think I would have done I think I would have um got DNA off of the cigarettes too, just to just to have extra. I'm sure they also yeah. did, but yeah. that's not like the smoking gun that no, they talked about. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then even in my side res like my research, there wasn't a whole lot of I, I do have on some her. unanswered questions though. Like what? Charlie. Yeah. No. Well, no one's gonna know that because she's I, she's it's not possible, alive. It, it's possible. Maybe there's an affair going on or something. But we don't want to. It's that's just interesting, right? Or but no one. Okay. But the thing is, so those two lived. He lived with those two, right? So maybe that's just what she called them. But how come no one knew that she called him that? Because yeah, that's even fair. Phil, that's and then fair. all of yeah. the other family members. So here's the thing, too, with the affair. Wouldn't you think, okay, so her husband's abusive. Mm-hmm. She's trying to leave him. If she right. was having an affair with him, her friends, at least her close, close friends, would, know. would yeah, have known. Right. And they would have you're known right. that she would have called right. him Charlie, right? I'm going to get hell for, for accusing her anyways of um, having an affair. But you're right. No, I... Yeah. The, yeah. The thing is... Maybe maybe he didn't like that, and she was just calling him that to piss him off too. But it is interesting now. They didn't talk about in the heat of the moment, like stress of, yeah. though. Stress, you don't know of what's just calling it. Yeah, yeah, you you don't know what's you know, you know. Yeah. So she might have just maybe the kids called him that. Yeah. I. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So that yeah, that's the unanswered question. So for that's me. yeah, I that was the same thing for All me right. too. I was like, where did that come from? But. Good detective work in on Denver. Yeah. That's why. See, that's why I enjoy doing this with you because every time we talk about something like about a case, and you start to go like you start reading my paper. I start doing the investigation. Before, yeah, that's because the whole like idea. you said, you and, don't know what we're talking just about. Tell until everybody, I, start I don't know what this case is about. You just yeah. present it to me. You know, I don't Which know. Is the whole point. I think yeah. at the beginning we both researched, but we stopped doing that, and yeah. we said because we said. Hey, we're getting off track from what what this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be like mm-hmm. our conversations that we have, and you would just call me and and start talking to me about a case, and I would answer questions, ask questions, you know, things like that. So yeah, I don't I didn't have a clue what was going on. 
Yeah. And I, I start investigating. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like, point. okay, what's what's? This? I know you're what's you're always like a few um, sentences before yeah. me, like ahead of me. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, hold oh. on. <laughs> okay, well, that is all for this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast for all of the weekly updates, everything I post over there, and we're on Twitter at TC Archives Pod, and we'll talk to you next week. Later. Bye.